welcome back to Grit. I'm Campbell, the only podcast that puts its money where its mouth is. I'm your host, Rich Ryan, and I'm joined by one member of the collective, Donnie D.P. Peters, after a 4-1 and one, week 15. We are currently 40, 30, and 5 in the Las Vegas Super Contest, tied for 544th place. We are currently picking at an impressive 57.1%. Nobody is going to complain about that. We've been specifically on fire the last five weeks, 18 and 7 against the spread, 72% clip. Looking across the board last week, another strong performance from Burt Minotti, back-to-back 4-1 weeks. DP landed a body blow with three and two, and Mo and myself went two and three. So kind of a miracle that we went four and one, DP? I mean, kind of a miracle, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think, you know, we have a fairly good read overall on things. I mean, I, I know every week we're like, what the hell are these lines? We hate this week, that sort of stuff. But I think uh, overall, you know, it is getting a bit harder to bet the NFL. I mean, everything seems to normalize. You know, the odds makers seem to get things better. Teams seem to perform much uh, closer to the mean, everyone in general. Uh, so it's just harder to pick these things. So I think, uh, you know, a little bit of a more closer to 50% record for all of us is expected as the season goes on. Um, that said, it's all about those top picks. And D- and Bert saved us, at least saved me, vetoed out my loser Bills pick and put in Big Dick Nick, plus 11, didn't need the 11, won outright here in L.A. Another sign that we are a bit fortunate, majority picks were 5-7, and seven, consensus picks 1-1. One and one. But as you said, it is all about top picks. DP, you improved to 12-2-1 with your number one selection, 83% from DP. Uh, Brett got above 500 at eight and seven. Mo padding his stats up to 10, four and one. And I dropped a game, but I'm still 10 and five. So Brett is the worst at 53%. And then it's Mo and I at 70 and 66% respectively. So all about those top picks. Those are the ones that make the card. One last stat before we get into some things here. Home dogs. Home dogs that we've put on the card this season, we've put 25 on the card. They are 17, 7, and 1, 70% clip. And if you just blindly bet every home dog this season, you would have some money in your pocket, excluding the London games. Home dogs are 39, 26, and 1, a 60% clip. Good for the sharp betters. Before we get into things, I want to do some quick housekeeping. If you are somehow listening to this podcast on a browser, if you saw a link, clicked it, and you are listening right now, please subscribe, rate, review on your favorite podcatchers, whether that be iTunes, Stitcher, what have you. That helps us out a ton. Likewise, if you don't know, we have a little contest where all you have to do to get a raffle ticket is either retweet the link to this podcast on Twitter at gridirongamble is the handle or pick one game each week 
against the Super Contest line, if you get it right, you get a ticket. And as the season wanes, we'll be doing some fun things, some parlay opportunities in the playoffs to get extra tickets. And you're probably asking yourself, what are you playing for? We've got eight classic NFL jerseys that we've paired with a Gridiron Gamble t-shirt each that we will be giving away to our awesome fans. So pick some games, have some sweats, and come along the ride with us. Let's look at the Super Contest as a whole before we dive into our specific games. DP, top five consensus, two and three this week. The Indianapolis Colts, DP, everybody loves them. They've been the number one team these last three weeks. They cover once again. It's pretty wild that they've swung to being such, such a public team, DP. It's wild. Yeah, it really is wild. I mean, they were, and, and you know, last week they were going against uh, a, a pretty public team, at least in terms of history's sake, in the, in the Cowboys. You know, I mean, everyone seems to love the Cowboys across America. Um, you know, not that uh, tons of people are picking the Cowboys uh, every week in the Super Contest, but, you know, just when you get that that public side going again, but another side who is known to be too public, um, you know, it just tends to, to average things out a little bit more. Uh, coming up, I mean, I think that this week, uh, you know, looking ahead, I don't know what the line is yet. It'll come out today uh, for the Super Contest, but the Colts get the Giants. Could be another super popular pick there just with how bad the Giants have been these last couple weeks and just with how good uh, the Colts uh, have been. The Colts, they they need to pretty much win out to uh, get into these playoffs or even have a shot at getting into these playoffs. So, you know, when you can find a team who has that motivation, behind them uh coming into these last couple weeks it gives them that uh that added edge giants aren't playing for anything i mean they should be playing for a draft pick but for whatever reason the nfl doesn't do that um you know these teams just don't give up when they should but uh yeah the colts could be uh popular going forward for sure i mean obviously depending on the line we'll see how big it gets uh, when it's released this afternoon looking like no obj again that game could see double digits at the westgate And on the Colts, not only were they facing a public team this week in the soaring Dallas Cowboys, but the week prior when, again, they were the most popular pick in the contest, they were against the Texans who had won only 11 games in a row and everybody was talking about. Yet the people in this contest clicked the Colts at an insane rate. Granted, they were catching five points in that contest. Last week, the average point total, 2.51, so we cleared that by a point and a half, which is great. And as you noted before we hit the record button, there is a new person, at least tied for the lead. Pigskin Junkies remains at the top with 55 points, but joining them is Rush YYZ2112, DP, a 4-1 and week. These two teams are picking at 73.3%, if only, DP, if only. Yeah, if only. I mean, that 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 rate is just, it's unbelievable. Pigskin Junkies uh, had a couple uh, boring weeks, I guess, by by their standards, uh, three into the last two weeks. So landing those body blows, still doing all right overall. But uh, those two, three and two weeks back-to-back, uh, week 14, week 15, have allowed uh, Rush YYZ, who is absolutely crushing over these last four weeks, uh, to catch up, he's gone four and one, four and one, five and zero, oh, and then four and one in this most recent week uh, to catch up. 
uh, that that stretch has vaulted him from uh, at the end of week 11 he was in ninth place i believe it was a tie for ninth place at the time and he's uh, steadily climbed the leaderboard since then uh, into that tie for the top spot so only two weeks left anything can happen now i mean this is it's crazy just thinking you know there's so much money on the line i mean in this thing you have the the 1.4 Two two million dollar top prize, and then there's a, a big gap between first and second. As I said, five hundred and forty fourth place currently for the collective top one hundred cash. DP, are we going to have to go ten and zero these next two weeks in order to get into the money? We, I see it's it's tricky this year. I mean, normally I would say yes, right? Because but the, but they increase the payouts, the amount of payouts from fifty to one hundred. Uh, it's still kind of right around that 3.2%. So I'm going to say if we get 10 and 0, we, we should almost be a lock to, to min cash, maybe even get that next bracket, just depending on how people do. Um, Nine and one, I think there's a high probability that we cash. Eight and two, I think there's a chance. I think there's a small chance. Um, you know, it, I feel like we're seeing some some tricky things this year in the super contest uh, as opposed to last year. And I think a, a, lo- a large part of that is because there's so many more contestants in this thing. And this, this contest is, it's getting a little bit, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily want to say sharper, but I mean, people are, they're, they're getting a little bit wiser and it's not just necessarily making sharp picks. It's like doing like, you're wondering why these more teams are popular than they should be, or, you know, that sort of stuff. And I think people are kind of applying some game theory to this thing a little bit more. They're doing things, you know, to try and get themselves maximum value right now in these last couple of weeks, people know that, okay, I got to kind of pick, pick some kind of weird off the wall type of picks. I mean, we talked about that for a couple of years. Let's get weird, you know, in these last couple of weeks, because if we're going to make a run, you got to make a run that uh, no one's paying attention to. So I think you're seeing a little bit more of that uh, this year. So it's going to be interesting to see where that line falls. I think we're going to need 51 points to cash at least. So, so yeah, I mean, nine, you know, nine and one, nine or eight, one and one, something like that. We're going to have to do that these last two weeks. There's just so much more information out there. So people are going to, generally get a little sharper dp you see this creating content every day for our good friends at sharpside.com members of the rotor grinder family like remember when we were growing up and listen to me sitting here on my porch here telling about (laughs) tales of yore but nobody talked about the spread right maybe you would get some hints from chris berman as he did his predictions for the week if you don't remember boomers picks and his final scores they were always landing on weird numbers <laughs> and the distances with 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 which teams beat each other they always seem to be around key numbers but that was it it was just hints and whispers in the shadows never open and now look at it Anywhere you turn, DP, there's someone giving advice, giving trends, giving information, and it's just a new age. And and because of that, people are going to pick games with a little more information, which means underdogs will be a little more popular and the lines will be a little sharper. Yeah, I mean, we, we saw this sort of transition, you know, what, a decade ago? I don't know exactly the exact time frame, but uh, with fantasy sports, I mean, everything is like geared towards fantasy sports now. I mean, you pull up, you know, the NFL social media, the NBA social media. I was just looking this morning before we hopped on. I was just breezing through the NBA social media and, you know, they were showing highlights of or not highlights, but just, a, a you know, a shot of somebody who did really well last night. And it says, you know, 
30 points, 10 rebounds, 12 assists, you know, and then at the bottom it says 64.7 fantasy points. Like everything is fantasy. NFL, any Sunday you can turn on ESPN, they have hours and hours of coverage just dedicated to fantasy sports. I think you're going to start seeing that shift into sports betting, especially with these leagues getting on board now. You know, you have all the leagues uh, signing all these deals with different sports books. Uh, you know, around the U.S. So as this becomes much more prominent, it's going to start seeping in much more. There's going to be kind of that, that I don't know, beginner period where they're going to have to, in a way, kind of teach some people, you know, like, okay, like this is this is a spread. When it says minus seven, like that means the Patriots have to beat the Bills by seven points in order to cover the spread for you to win your bet. But, you know, eventually you're going to start probably seeing betting, betting analysts like kind of hop in, at least for like a short segment or so. On some of these shows, you know, they're going to kind of work it into their coverage. I know it's kind of been this, this taboo thing that, you know, they haven't always worked in. You know, you once in a while, Al Michaels will drop something at the end of a game. But but that's really the only reference that you get. And you're going to definitely start seeing much more of that going forward. All right, let's move on to the games. And this week was fun for us. We had four island games, essentially island games, a Saturday night game, the Sunday night game, the Monday night game, and then Pat's. Steelers ended up being an island game because for some reason the NFL only put two games during the four o'clock Eastern hour, one of which was Hawks Niners. And I don't know very many people that had any interest in watching that game that live outside of the greater Seattle and San Francisco areas. And honestly, I don't even know. The old lady that came and watched her her Seattle Seahawks (laughs) in the sports book. I mean, she was like 75. She was the cutest old lady I've ever seen, banging the table. Like, And when they lost at the end, she just stormed out. It was, oh, so, no. it was so great. Oh, no. Lady, you're locked into the five seed. You know, pop a few aspirin, relax. Everything's okay. But we'll start with Browns at Broncos. This was the collective pick, which has been spitting out some doozies the last couple of weeks. We were on Broncos minus three. And I can't begin talking about this game without addressing the decision by Vance Joseph to kick a field goal on fourth and one fairly deep in Brown's territory. According to Edge Sports at edjsports.com, by kicking the field goal to go down one point and try to get a stop, the chances of Denver winning the game, they're... Uh, game-winning percentage was 26.7%. And simply by going for it, they would have increased their odds of winning by 33.1%, all the way up to 59.8. DP, best case scenario, we would have gotten a push out of that. But come on, man. <laughs> what What is Vance Joseph doing? And moreover... How does he have a job here on Wednesday morning? So this is, this is something I, I don't understand. First of all, there's two parts. I don't understand in what universe he went for the went for it. Like, did he think that the like a field goal was worth four points? I I don't really understand. And and the thing is, is, is in a way he was he was kind of validated because they got the ball back and they. I mean, it was a long shot, but they had a shot. You know, they got the ball to like the fifty or something. Uh, you know, with whatever a couple of, you know handful of seconds left in the game, and it's like. He, he got his team a shot to get back in there. And it's like, no, like, dude, you hit a miracle to even like have that chance. Like, I don't, you have to be going for it there. You absolutely have to be going for it there. I don't know what he's doing. And then 
what I don't understand, you know, we talk about, you know, boneheaded uh, coaching errors every single week, I feel like. But these guys are still employed. I mean, I just, I don't understand. I like it. Do people not realize what's happening? Maybe, maybe you're, you're an owner of a team or you're the GM of a team and, you know, you're not like the super most analytical guy in the universe and you don't understand why that's wrong fully. But as a billion dollar company and all of these, you know, these NFL teams are billion dollar uh, companies, you have to have people telling you that that is wrong. Like that is so wrong. Like, you know, the little nerd downstairs in the basement needs to come upstairs and say, yeah, you know, exactly what you just said. You have a 20% chance if you do this, you have a 60% chance if you do this. You know, that is, that's massive in today's NFL. I mean, I just, I don't understand like how this stuff continues to happen over and over and over again. It's just, it's absolutely mind boggling. It really is. And think about the sample of data that we're working with, right? Like, even if you don't want to go post-merger, which is a massive sample, let's say you just want to go current era, era-adjusted stats. Well, you still have every game going back to 2004. That's a large enough data sample to tell you what the point, per, the point potential of pretty much every decision is from every yard marker on every down and distance. And the thing that really blows my mind and we heard this a couple weeks ago from from Booger McFarland. Uh, I forget what game it was. Uh, I think it was Vikings Viking Seahawks. That's right. And Booger said, you got to take the points. And Jason Witten made the best point he's made all season. He goes, Boog, they've crossed midfield twice in this game. Like, how can you expect? Sure, you can trust your defense. Your defense is playing great. But not only do you have to get the stop, but your offense then has to find another way to get into scoring position. And the Broncos' defense was playing great on Saturday night. No doubt. They ended up holding Baker Mayfield to 188 yards on 31 pass attempts, intercepted them. They were creating pressure. They were doing fantastic. The problem is their offense was generating 3.9 yards per play. So what arrogance do you have to have to say that not only are we going to get the stop with limited time remaining? But then we're actually going to put another drive together to put us in position to potentially score a touchdown when you could only muster 16 points in the first 50 minutes, 55 minutes of the game. Like That's the part to me that seems like such an illogical fallacy, and I don't understand how people keep making that mistake. I mean, I, I honestly don't think they think of it even in, in that in depth as you just outlined. And that was very simple, very on the surface, you know, it, they just kind of think, okay, like our defense is playing well, we just need to get a stop. And like, that's the end of it. They don't like think about, okay, our offense really isn't moving the ball. It is moving the ball and we're only getting X amount of yards per attempt or, you know, per game. Like they don't, they don't, at least in the moment, they don't go through it like that. At least they can't, because if you do, the answer is very simple every single time. I mean, I don't know about your timeline, but every time, every every primetime game, my timeline is just a mess with people not understanding what the hell these people are doing. And I, I don't get how so many people can see that. You know, a couple of years ago, yeah, like like not a lot of people like the analytics weren't as advanced 
in a widespread fashion. And a lot of people didn't know, you know, you didn't have all these, these analysts, these armchair quarterbacks saying, you know, things are wrong and the math being out there and all that sort of stuff. But nowadays, I mean, it's like everyone seems to know everyone. So it has to be only a matter of time before these teams, these management, uh, you know, these coaches, they all catch up because you you can't function like this. You just can't. I mean, you know, that's that's partly why someone like a Sean McVay is is able to do so well in today's NFL coming in at such a young age with, you know, a, a pretty big lack of experience compared to most head coaches that you see is because he's just kind of way ahead of the curve. You know, much like what 10 years ago, Bill Belichick always seems to just be like way ahead of the curve. So you got to have those people who are like way ahead of the curve and then set the pace. And now you see kind of Bill Belichick is like coming back to the pack and you have these these offensive minds are doing much better. You know, whether it's Matt Nagy in Chicago, Andy Reid is always someone who's uh, been really good. And then as I just mentioned, Sean McVay. This was, despite being low scoring, and there were a couple of these this game, this was a fun game, entertaining game. It was fun to see Baker go on the road in a in an island game, as I noted, and get the win. He started off like a, a man on fire. The early touchdown pass to Brashard Perryman. Really impressed with the throw on time. It's Baker's calling card is just being able to rip on time throws downfield. And then Brashad Perryman, he's had these these moments over these past couple of weeks where he looks like he might actually turn into something. Granted it, it might be too late by now. If you if in your I believe it's his third season if this is what you are, just a couple of pops here and there. Maybe his ceiling is like Travis Benjamin, you know, guy that just makes a big play every two or three games. But at least for him, he'll stay in the league and, and keep getting them checked. So so good for him. Uh, on the other side of the ball, man, I, I still don't know what to think about Keenum. Uh, bad decisions here. Two bad interceptions. But there's something about, I like this this Broncos receiving core. I think they made the absolute right move in moving on from Demarius Thomas. And I, I said it a couple pods ago, but I think their succession plan in drafting Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton to replace those two guys was pretty perfect. And both of them showed out. And then this Tim Patrick guy, undrafted, uh, went to Baltimore and now finds himself on Denver. I feel like they have a nice receiving core. If they can patch up that offensive line, I'm... I'm thinking Denver's going to be a really good team next year. Their biggest problem is that their division is insane with both the Chargers and the Chiefs. Yeah, the division really is really good. I mean, I've seen enough of Anthony Lynn, um, or sorry, Vance Joseph, um, and they need to just get rid of him. I mean, it, it's just it's time. I, I've seen enough. I mean, maybe maybe he's just kind of too much of an old school coach for today's NFL. Uh, you know, to, to stick around. And then I also think they need to get rid of Case Keenum. You know, I, I think he's, so he, I don't think he's on a massive contract, um, you know, in terms of like, they didn't get roll out the, uh, the Kirk Cousins type of deal. Um, so he's, he's all right right now, kind of in the interim, like kind of when you find that, that next guy, I mean, the Paxton Lynch experiment that did not work, uh, you know, as much as Brett Carlson wanted his work um, every single week, it felt like, uh, you know, that's, that's done. So, I mean, Case can hold them for, what, another year or two, I feel like. And they're not going to be great, but I feel like they need to definitely kind of draft that next guy, uh, draft me with you guys, just see what they have there and try and get something 
going forward in terms of the QB? Because, I mean, it's a quarterback-driven league. We all know that. As you mentioned, they have a really good uh, receiving core in place. Philip Lindsay, I mean, I, I just don't know how much that guy's going to stay alive. He's like, he just – he runs so, so, so hard. Philip Lindsay's a guy, that, like, in two years, if he's averaging – you know, 2.5 yards of carry and just looks like a total mess. I would not be shocked because these guys just, they come out of college, you know, that guy's got a ton of stuff to prove. Um, he's got, you know, all the energy in the world and that sort of thing. But then running backs, they, you know, two, three years, and it seems like they're done. They're never the same. So Broncos are in a really interesting position here with Keenum. He's got one year left at 18 million, but here's what's super interesting. His dead cap numbers. 10 million. So if they cut him, they have 10 million on their books. And his cap hit is 21 million because they uh, backloaded his cap hit. So not only uh, would they get him off the roster by cutting him, but they would save $11 million in cap dollars by cutting him. They, they, they'd waste 10 million on a dead position, but their cap would regain $11 million which is, I mean, it seems like a plus, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it seems like a plus. And, you know, even without regaining that, that money, just kind of eating $10 million, I think is fine in, t- you know, today's NFL. I mean, it's, and it, that's it's the ex- not the best, but it's not horrible. And that's the exact number that the cap is going up next year, or at least projected to go up. That's what the, the, the NFL has told the teams, is that the cap will go up approximately 9 to $10. So, uh, 9 to $10 million, so... I mean, what is so? Maybe you know what is Vance Joseph like? What's his kind of calling card? I mean, you have people who are defensive coaches, you have people who are offensive coaches. Like, what is? I don't really understand what his is. Yeah, maybe I, I just never knew. Like, I, you see a defensive guy, where did he come from? I don't really understand. I don't know much about Vance Joseph, to be honest. Uh, I believe he's a defensive guy, but other than that, I'm I'm not sure. Um, like when people talk about him too, they don't ever associate him with either side of the ball, right? Every other coach, like right across from the sideline, Greg Williams. We Bounty Gate helps, but we know Greg Williams, defensive coach, defensive coordinator. That's going to be the philosophy with which he plays with. Uh, the only thing I know about Vance, honestly, is that he was a former player. But in terms of his coaching style, what tree he comes from, no idea, none whatsoever. Let's move on to Sunday, where we started with the ugliest game of the day. It was racial slurs 16, Jaguars 13. Brett did it. He intentionally put Josh Johnson on the card. We were touchdown dogs, but DP, we didn't need a single point (laughs) as the slurs scored 10 points in the final frame to win outright in terms of quarterback play. I don't think in the modern era, there were many performances as poor as Cody Kessler's in this game. The chainsaw dropped back 17 times in this game. I believe it was more than that. It was somewhere in the twenties. Cause that doesn't include sacks, six sacks. So 23 dropbacks and he threw for 57 Yards, 23 dropbacks, 57 yards. That's horrific. I mean, that's the game right there. It's 2018. 
if you can't break 60 yards passing, you're never covering seven points. It's just never happening. You can't. It should be like basements for quarterbacks should be 100 yards, like 150 yards. I feel like, I mean, it should not be hard to get 150 yards in today's NFL. It just shouldn't. 28 dropbacks for Josh Johnson. He got to 151. He tripled it nearly. Man, this contest, I did not watch very much of this game. I was mainly on red zone. I wanted nothing to do with this game. I I wanted it far away from my eyes. This is one game that's going to go into the capsule and never be watched again. Like, I mean, this this feels like every single week with the Jaguars where the only palatable side of the ball is the Jaguars defense. And then... It's and, not that and, the and other that team. Quit, now that they've quit, like it's, there is no palatable part of the. Well, they didn't. They weren't too bad in this one. I mean, they were stopping Washington from moving the ball. And then on the other side, I mean, the Redskins' defense is all right. You know, they're not amazing. They're a little bit above average. Um, I think we're we're behind them on this podcast. But it would. This was more about that the Jacksonville offense. And every week, it's not that the other team's defense is so good and keeping these games so low scoring. Um, it's just that like you saw whatever last week when it was 6-0 when they played the Colts. I mean, the, the Jaguars offense just cannot move the ball. They just cannot. They can't do anything. I mean, you pointed out Cody Kessler's stats. I mean, this is this is so, so, so bad. And it's every single week. And then then they, you know, their calling card is supposed to be it, I mean, at least it was last year, and, and they tried to make it this year until Fournette went out, but it's supposed to be, you know, just run it and play defense. And for whatever reason, it's like they benched Leonard Fournette. I don't really understand what was happening there. I mean, the guy was getting more than four yards to carry. It wasn't horrible. Uh, it wasn't amazing either. But, you know, he's your your number one pick, your all-star back. He's the guy who's supposed to be grinding it out. So I don't know what happened there, if that was a coaching decision or something happened on the sidelines, but that seemed a little bit weird. Maybe they're actually just tanking. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, this this game was just – it was definitely one that you would just want to completely throw in the dumpster and never go back to ever again. Doug Marone likely will be standing in line with Vance Joseph for a new job in the offseason. Love the quote after the game. Jalen Ramsey was asked about Marone, and he goes, just perfectly, I ain't worried about nobody but myself. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's Jalen Ramsey. You could ask him about anything. Jalen, what do you think about global politics? I ain't worried about nothing. But myself, man, life of a cornerback. Let's, I don't even want to discuss this, discuss this game any further. I want to get to the next game because I can't believe it actually happened. I, for years, we knew Patriots going into Heinz Field that the Steelers had more talent, that the line was incorrect. And yet every single time, Bill Belichick would put on a masterclass and the Pats would walk away with an outright win and a cover, but not this time. 17-10 was the final. DP, your Patriots could not muster more than 10 points. They couldn't score a single point in the fourth and final frame. We got this beautiful quote from Tomlin after the game about how they did not blink entering this contest. Uh, Sometimes you got to cut your eyelids off uh, when you want to blink, when it gets thick. And uh, we talk openly about that. DP, they talk openly about cutting their eyelids off. That's the man you just lost to. I need your thoughts. I have no idea what that quote means. I, I, I don't really understand a lot of stuff that comes out of Tomlin's mouth. I mean, he just seems like a total 
like Raha, really stubborn coach, you know, just, just stubborn in the way that he, you know, has played defense a lot of times and the, the whole thing just seems like a total mess there. This is the thing is, is that, you know, listen, I've been, you know, I've been banging the drum that the, the dynasty is over. You know, this is where it's all crumbling. And this is, this is the exact type of game that I'm talking about where in years past, when the other team is completely screwing everything up and trying to give it to the Patriots, the Patriots take it away every single time. Not this time. Not this time. And you mentioned, you know, the 10 points in the game. I think I think I heard a stat the other day that the Patriots have scored 10 points in their last six quarters, which is horrible. I mean, that's just horrible. Against the Steelers where, you know, if anything, it should just be a shootout up and down the field. And then, you know, obviously last week that miracle uh, Dolphins loss where they just didn't score, you know, at all. Uh, you know, in the last part of that game. So it, it's just, this is not the same Patriots team. They're not. I mean, not that the Steelers were amazing in this one. They did play a little bit better defense. I was a bit surprised uh, by that. Um, but uh, Tom Brady does not look the same. Um, something has to be wrong there. I just don't know what it is. How you know, dusty, obviously. how dusty, how dust, dust is Brady. Yeah, I mean, he's just, you know, he's a, he's a 41-year-old quarterback. And, and it also, you know, some of that is that Rob Gronkowski's not the same. Julian Edelman's not the same. Um, I mean, I will tell you that Cordell Patterson is horrible. So, like, they're just, he doesn't have the same guys around him to even elevate his own play, you know. So, the whole thing is just not the same. I, I don't understand it. And then you get down to the end of the game and they have that chance, you know, that they're super deep in, in uh, Steelers territory. They have a chance to... uh to tie the game possibly. And for whatever reason, Josh Gordon wasn't on the field and quarter Patterson was. So I'm, I'm confused that maybe did something happen with Josh Gordon? Like, like is, I, I don't know. I feel like he's been, you know, obviously he's a high risk player in terms of all the, all the issues that he's dealt with. And, you know, he, but he had, he had played the whole game. Um, he, you know, he had been doing really well these past couple of weeks, but then at the end, you know, last week you had the questionable thing at the end where Rob Gronkowski is on the field and Devin McCourty is not, which is super questionable given where that ball was and all that sort of stuff against Miami. And then this one, it's like Cordell Patterson over Josh Gordon. Like if you're going to, if you're going to need to like, just throw the ball up and have a jump ball, don't you want Gordon there? Well, to like me, that guy's a freak of nature. To me, that's all about Brady. Gordon dropped a ball early in the first quarter on a slant where he would have gained a first down. I'm telling you, DP, Tom Brady did not look in 10's direction the entire game after that. So I'm thinking that was, well, hell, if he's not going to throw him the ball, we might as well put a body out there that he might throw it to. Like Brady, Can you tell me where the hell James White was? Yeah, that's that's that that's an I, interesting. Like one. the past couple of weeks, he hasn't been anywhere, and I don't know if that's so. James White has like never had more than a hundred touches in his career in a season, and then this year, like for the first like seven weeks, he had that because they were just using him a ton. Like all their running backs were hurt, like they just needed to use him, and and you know there was kind of that talk that okay, they just kind of need to preserve the James White because that guy's as frail as they come. I mean, I mean if he you got, watch him run the ball. I mean, he, he got falls down if you touch him. He got seven targets. Only for 25 yards. So it wasn't like he was even good in this game, to be honest. No, and usually, you know, when, 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 you know, the going gets tough for the Patriots, it's just dump off city. And you're getting the James White, you know, what, 12 for 80 game and probably a touchdown in there. And you just didn't see that this week. And it was just, I don't know, the whole thing is just a mess. And, and, yeah, they have two weeks left to, to get it right, but they're playing the Bills and the Jets. So, I mean, even if they, even if they blow these two teams out, right? Let's, you know, 30 to 14, something like that. You know, they just 
they they crush and they're both at home. They're up in New England where New England always plays much better. Uh, first time in I have no idea how many years that New England uh, has finished the season with a losing road record, by the way, three and five this year. So, I mean, how, how right are these guys going to be going into the playoffs? They're likely going to have to go on the road in the playoffs. Uh, you know, they'll probably have that, you know, that first game at home and then they'll, they'll head on the road. And the way that this team has played on the road, I mean, this seems like a great spot for our, for people's bankrolls to be betting against them because this is not the same New England team, especially with some of these numbers that they're going to be getting next week against the Bills. Mobile quarterback, that's going to be an interesting one. Well, they can beat the Texans, right? Like the Texans are the most fraudulent team that they is going to make the, the Texans because Bill O'Brien, for whatever reason, cannot coach against Bill Belichick for the life of things. Well, and the Texans just aren't good either. Like the Jets were shredding them on Saturday. Absolutely. You know who's going to shred them this weekend? Spoiler alert. Big Dick Nick, who we're going to get to next. The Eagles are going to shred the Texans this week. Well, the one thing about the Texans playing the Patriots just quickly is that a couple of years ago, remember in the playoffs, I mean, they they held that game close uh, for a little while just because of the way that they they were able to get home to Brady. And it was going up the middle with that strong front seven that they have. So and just that was like a better Brady, you know, a Brady that was more willing to stay in the pocket, more willing to to take hits and get these balls out to his receivers when they needed to. And also his receivers were much better than uh, just even just a health factor. So if you're going to get this Brady right now, who seems to be ducking out of everything almost immediately and not throwing balls when he needs to, I don't know if that has to do with an injury. I don't know if that's just him being 41 and not wanting to take hits anymore, whatever it is, if they can get some pressure on Brady, I mean, you saw it in this one, the Steelers got a, a decent amount of pressure uh, on Brady and he was just, he was not the same guy. And yeah, this was, I mean, we love this one. You were the only one on the other side, but uh, yeah, we love this one. Come on. Playoff Thomas is going to take some hits. This team's going to go to the AFC Championship game. What what'll happen there if they have to go to Arrowhead or StubHub Center? Don't know. But this team's going to the AFC Championship game. Come on. The thing is, you just, you you and I mean, listen, uh, I can bang the drum for Dynasty being over. I would also not be totally surprised if they're in the Super Bowl because I know I just I've seen it too much. I know what other teams do every like like that that Chiefs game. I mean, yeah, the Chiefs could just suck for whatever reason. I mean, they could, they, the, what last week against the chargers. I mean, that was an Andy Reed debacle towards the end of the game to let them get back into that game, calling that timeout and all that sort of stuff. I mean, Andy Reed can do Andy Reed things. So I'm certainly not going to rule it out, but it's no way in shape or form uh, the favorite to happen this year. There will be no more Andy Reed outcome than the chiefs getting a wild card this season. How Andy Reed is that going to be <laughs> to dominate yeah. the season? Have, probably the MVP at quarterback and get a wild card <laughs> because you crumbled in December. Yeah. I mean, I, listen, the, the cream hunt is, is a loss to them, but they should still be able to close this out and get that number one seat or number two seat. Like it, that should be a lock, but it's not, you know, we're going to have to watch these next couple of weeks and it's, it's just going to be interesting to see what happens. All right. I teased him twice already. I already spoiled the fact that the Eagles won outright in L.A. 30-23 to was the final. They were 11-point dogs in the contest, but this crept to nearly two touchdowns in real life when the official news was released that Carson Wentz would not be starting. And Super Bowl MVP Big Dick Nick Foles would be under center for the Eagles. He didn't throw a touchdown. He did throw an interception, but he got the job done. 
by moving the ball down the field. It was a different team. It was a different offense that we watched on Sunday Night Football. Really weird. I don't know what's happening here. Is Foles better than Wentz? I have no idea. But the defense was really what changed in this contest. Is it possible? Is there a world where something Avante Maddox is important to the secondary? I don't know. These guys were great, though. They were flying around everywhere. Goff, like Foles, didn't throw a single touchdown. He had 53 pass attempts, 55 dropbacks, and was only able to muster 340 yards. That's six yards per attempt. DP, if this Todd Gurley injury thing is real, and I will say that his usage has been mysteriously low these past couple of weeks, and the ball has to reside in Jared Goff's hands. We hate this team. We hate this Rams team. How are they going to win a big game in a big spot, specifically if they have to go on the road? I mean, when when was everyone loving the Rams? And that was when Todd Gurley was in there every single play, getting the ball an absolute ton, you know, winning everyone's fantasy leagues, mine included. Um, you know, it that's just how this offense was running. You know, Todd Gurley is one of those backs who can be an all-down back. It uh, doesn't matter if you're running or throwing or even in protection. You know, he's good at everything. And these past couple of weeks, as you mentioned, he hasn't been on the field, at, you know, the same amount that he he was earlier in the season. There was, there's there's times when you know there's there's whole series that he's just not out there. And I'm like, who the hell are these guys running the ball? Like, what? Where's Todd Gurley? And then you you know this last game you hear oh you know his knees dealing with the knee came down to it at the end. They need to put him back in. So I'm sure he he toughed it out a bit. Uh, you know if they were up in that game, you know let's say by a score or more, you know they. Uh, they probably wouldn't have, have used him or maybe used him even more sparingly, but just at the end of that game, they, they tried to win it, so they had him in there. So going forward, it's going to be something to watch. Um, I mean, the Rams are, I believe they're locked into that two seed. Uh, am I correct? Or, well, no, the Bears could get it, um, you know, if the Bears end up uh, winning out and the Rams lose a game. So it's going to be interesting to see if this ball is in Jared Goff's hands going forward. Just where where's where's the closest sports book? Like where can I bet the other team? Whoever it's going to be, because this is going to be there's going to be some prime uh, some prime picking when it comes to picking against the Rams, uh, you know, in the playoffs over in the NFC. You know, I was sitting down this morning, I was having my morning coffee, and I was contemplating the playoff picture, and I said, you know what? Everybody is down on the Rams. We talked about it earlier. Everywhere you turn, you can get sports betting advice and gambling advice and everything that I've heard this week from sharp to, uh, to public to Joe's to pros is the Rams are in trouble. So I was like, you know what, if this is such an overwhelming narrative, there has to be value on the Rams right now. They're still a well-coached team. They still have a ton of talent. They can still generate a pass rush, which is really the most important thing in football. So I go to pull up their future odds. They're still plus 550. They still have shorter odds than the Chiefs. Like the market just not adjusting whatsoever on the Rams. And we've talked about this all season in terms of their spread. At the beginning of the season, they covered some big numbers against like the shitty Cardinals. And ever since then, they've just been piling these massive numbers. And the public has been piling on top of them. And they're 5-8-1 against the number. They're not winning anybody 
any money. They're the fakest team in football right now. It's actually unbelievable. Yeah, just uh, as you were as you were going through that, I pulled up Westgate on my phone. Uh, plus four fifty right now. Rams to win plus the Super Bowl. Four Saints are plus one fifty. Plus four. Oh, I've, I said it a couple weeks ago. The Saints should be minus to win the Super Bowl. I'm not even joking. Like I, think, I mean, they're, they're they're getting there, so <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be there pretty soon. Probably not just another week. Because uh, I don't see any of these NFC teams going into that dome and beating them. I mean, the Saints have played ugly these past couple of weeks ugly against the cowboys short week on the road did the cowboys blow their doors off no they won by a field goal right one possession games anything can happen last week on the road division opponents rainy conditions yeah they struggled early but not only did they win they covered as double digit road favorites and then last night or monday night another division opponent we'll get to in a second they go out on the road, prime time, Panthers playing for their season, and granted, Cam is broken, but they still go out and get the win, and I'll say it, they probably should have covered as well. So when the Saints have hit adversity, when they've performed at their worst, they've still found ways, at least over the last two weeks, to win in tough environments. This team is going to be really hard to beat. And then above all of that, I mean, narrative town, they've got last year on their minds, right? They've got... Dude, I told, I called the, it a couple weeks ago, the, the Saints Revenge Tour, man. The, the miracle in Minnesota. I mean, if I was them, wouldn't you just have that playing on loop in the facility all season? You have to. You absolutely have to. And Sean Payton seems like a guy who would, you know? <laughs> like, he seems like he would be playing that nonstop just whenever you walk into that building. That's all you see and hear so so yeah i mean it, it'll also be interesting if you know let's say the vikings get in uh, as that six seed if they end up winning the saints get them you got that revenge game that would just be epic oh my god lay all the points with the saints yeah just i don't care what the line <laughs> yeah. is like they're gonna be out for absolute blood in that game yeah eagles man are they gonna win the nfc east i'm telling you they're gonna dismantle houston I mean, you, you you brought up, you know, their defense uh, against this Rams game. And it, it's like it goes back to Mo's theory of like that next man up, you know, where they see their starting quarterback go out. And yeah, he hasn't been great. That's Carson Wentz all year. And you see Nick Foles come in and Nick Foles won them Super Bowl. But Nick Foles is still their backup quarterback. And the defense probably is like, guys, we got to step it up. We got to win this game. And now that they're right in the hunt, I mean, they're they're seven and seven. They're tied with the Redskins. The Cowboys are eight and six. You know, this is. It's going to come down to it uh, in the NFC there for those last couple playoff spots. I mean, it's it's pretty incredible to see that that the Eagles still have a shot, just given the fact that their defense is a total infirmary ward, at least in the secondary. So, and now now Carson Wentz, I mean, he's kind of, they say he's week to week, but I mean, come on, he's he's got to be done for the year. He's got broken back. I mean, <laughs> and he hasn't been playing that good. So, that could just give the ball to Nick Foles and let's see what happens. The remaining schedule... For the Eagles, I've said it a million times, they play the Texans at home this week. Mo always talks about drunk crowds. That's going to be a drunk crowd. And then the final week of the season, they play at the Slurs. So a quick trip down I-95. The Cowboys... Yeah, I don't know if those Houston frat boys can handle that Philly uh, dumpster fire up there. <laughs> Just don't know if it can happen. The Cowboys 
The Cowboys have the chokiest. I mean, this is this is going to be so Cowboys. The chokiest remaining schedule. Home to Bucks at Giants. The New York Giants fans at that December 30th game are going to be so out to just ruin Dallas's season. That's their only it's classic salty New York. And that's how Eli's got to go out, right? <laughs> just, yeah. Just take, take the Cowboys out of the playoffs. <laughs> What's the, uh, there's a German word. Uh, oh, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to look look it up. But there's this New York mentality, especially, so the Yankees and Giants have had success for a really long time. Consistent success. But the other crappy teams that I root for, the Mets, Jets, Rangers, Knicks, we've gotten to a point where the only time we feel joy is when we just annoy a contending team or play spoiler as the Giants have its opportunity to do in this spot. And it's like this sick, like it has no effect on us. It does us no good, but we have this this sycophantic joy in ruining other people's day. So is, is OBJ out next week? I mean, he has to be, right? So, uh, well, I'm just thinking two weeks ahead is that you'll know the Giants mentality if OBJ plays or not. Like if he doesn't play this week and then comes back and plays week 17, you know, they're going for it. Shout like They're going to that. They're going to try and knock off the Cowboys. Whereas if he's like, I'm out and then I'm out, it's like maybe they're a little bit more, you know, back down to earth. And they're like, okay, guys, let's just kind of finish out the season. But if they, if he goes out there and play, if they're not playing for like three weeks and then goes out there and plays week 17 against yeah. the Cowboys, you know that they're out just to ruin the season. He gets off the boat in Miami, flies straight to MetLife to lace him up and play in the game. Uh, Schadenfreude, that's the, the German word. Very, very Schadenfreude culture in New York to just enjoy the pain of others, but home to Bucks at Giants, Cowboys. If you guys don't make the playoffs, I mean, Bucks could be be sneaky just if they overlook them, you know, because they could be just kind of looking ahead, just being, you know, the Bucks aren't that good. They're at home, you know, and it's the Cowboys. I mean, they got Jason Garrett, the clapper. I mean, he's like, they could just totally throw up a stinker. Like they really could. I would not be surprised because this is this is like you said, this is a super chokey spot for them uh, to close out the year final game Monday night football Saints 12 Panthers 9 DP what the hell did we watch on Monday I was only kind of half watching this one because I was working but I mean this was like it it was it was like I expected uh, much much closer you know of a battle of of a grudge match than you know, obviously the spread, you know, laid out there with minus five and a half for the Saints or minus six has got up to in a lot of spots. But I mean, yeah, this is, I mean, well, first of all, Cam Newton doesn't look right for, like, he just looks horrible. And, and I mean, if I'm, I'm looking at NFL.com right now and it says that they're still in the hunt, but I mean, if I'm them, you got to shut him down for the year. And then just overall, this game was just, it was a total dumpster fire. I mean, you did not see the Saints high-flying offense that we kind of expected. Um, I mean, I thought that this was going to kind of be Saints high-flying, but Panthers could do enough to, to stay with them, or they would do enough to stay with them. And that's not what you saw. You saw a defensive battle, a really sloppy game at a lot of points. That's the, the sloppiness was emphasized by, I have no idea who was running the ball on that last Saints play, but the guy fumbling out of the back of the end zone. I mean, dude, what are you doing? 
Like, what are you doing? I mean, you just <laughs> that that dude. We talked earlier about you know Vance Joseph not having a job. That dude should not have a job. Like, dude, get, go to the locker room, get your shit, and get the hell out of here. Come on, don't do Tommy Lee Lewis that. Dude, what are you doing? Just fall down, man. Like, why are these guys got to be heroes? You know what? You're a hero. You're a hero if you take the sharp play and you just like slide and you let the clock run. But no, you had to go and try and be an idiot and dive into the end zone and not protect the football. And you gave the other team a shot. Like, that is so stupid. So this game was was tipsy when Carolina, on fourth and short, ran that halfback toss pass from Christian McCaffrey to something called Chris Manhurts. 50 yards, touchdown. That guy, Manhurts, almost got caught, too. <laughs> Hit a 20-yard head start and nearly got run down. That play was identical, and I was I received a text from Gridiron Gamble superfan, an all-around legend, amazing human being, Mickey Doff. The Jets ran a similar play in the year 2000. Curtis Martin to Wayne Corbett against the Bucks on the road. Same thing. I think it was third or fourth and short. You run a toss. You get everybody crashing to stop the toss, and you just leak out a, a tight end, or in the Jets' case, it was just an inline receiver. And the halfback, all he has to do is just get the ball up, and the guy's going to be open. The play worked beautifully. So I thought this game was tipsy when that happened. And then the fourth quarter came, and it was just an absolute rager. Saints score a touchdown. Panthers get a pick two, which I, I don't remember that happening in, in recent history. So somehow... Uh, they get the score to 12 to nine. And then just like you said, we get in a position where the Panthers turn the ball over uh, and the saints are in a, this weird spot where they can kick a field goal to extend to six points, but they could also get a first down. And if they got the first down, they'd be beyond the two minute warning. But in order to get a first down, they had to get it to the exact one yard line and they run this pitch play to old Tommy Lee Lewis, the man in black himself, and he extends for the pylon, gets hit, fumbles the ball through the end zone, and the Carolina Panthers get it on a touchback. Somehow we fade the Saints scoring points there, and we cover by the hair on our chinny chin chin DP. Yeah, I was. I I thought we were we were toast. I mean, as you mentioned, a field goal would have pushed them up to six. Uh, you know, they would have been up. Uh, what was it? Uh, Fifteen to nine. We had five and a half. We couldn't get the six in the contest, so that would have been a super bummer. I definitely thought that that was a high probability that it was going to happen. I, you know, I also thought that they were just going to score. I, I thought there was a decent chance too that the Panthers would just let them score. You know, but who knows? I mean, it, the thing was is that it's that that pitch play, man. Oh my gosh! I mean. I thought it was great. I mean, at first I watched it and I was like, wait, hold on. Like that, that happened. That didn't happen. Did Cause, that happen? Because naturally, once a pitch occurs on a short down and distance like that, everybody just crashes, right? You stay in your lane. You contain, like if you're the outside guy, you don't want to cut in because then you get him the outer boundary. So it's like my job as a defender, I read the pitch. I have a lane. I'm literally crashing in a straight line in this lane and hoping to either take out a blocker or make the tackle. There is no thought process in this guy's going to throw a pass, ever. And he did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. The the whole thing was the whole thing was wild at the end. I mean, it, it was it was a pretty 
as you mentioned, the game was drunk the whole time. And then it was just, it was nuts at the end. And it was, it, it was, was crazy. And blackout was, at the end. Yeah. I mean, I was sweating fantasy with, with, with Christian McCaffrey. And I'm sure a ton of people were at that point. You know, we're getting into these fantasy playoffs and they miraculously get the ball back. And I mean, it, the, the Panthers did have a chance. I mean, if, if Cam Newton was right and could throw the ball, they probably go down and get a field goal for sure. A ton of a ton of times, you know, a large percentage of the time. If not, get in, get in, you know, a good shot to take a couple chances to the end zone and hopefully win that game at home. But Cam Newton is just—you can just tell, man. He looks like he's throwing a weighted football. Like yeah, it just broken. does not look right at all. He is broken. Four and one DP. How about back to back four and ones? A pair of body blows at three and two, and then another four and one. Best five week stretch in Gridiron Gamble history, maybe? I don't know. The one season, I don't know if you guys remember, but we were what, what we tied for fourth ones? Those were no, I think best. I think we were tied for eleventh was the highest, 11th? but that was that's high. We must have been doing something right. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't take it's surprising. It all it doesn't take a lot to to move up and it but it also doesn't take a lot to drop down. Oh, I mean yeah. you can you can go one way or the other in this thing. I was looking at um Brent Musburger's record. I think he's tied for forty seventh. He's like mostly just three and two every single week. That's pretty much all he does. He started the year five and zero, oh, and then he went two and three the next week, and then it's just like three and two, three and two, three and two, three and two, just like grinding it out. Yep. Grind out those body blows, tossing it. Pepper, pepper in some four and ones, five and O's, and you're in the hunt. That's that's the contest, man. We talked about it all the way back to the beginning of the season with our buddy Dwayne, the coffee maker, former champ. You don't need to go five and O for an entire quarter of the season. You just need to land those body blows because Lord knows that sixty percent consistently is insane. I mean, it's just bonkers. It's really good, man. I mean, people what they try and get fifty three, fifty four percent to to hopefully uh, beat the vig. Um, but yeah, I mean, to be able to go sixty percent in this thing, I remember remember the couple of years ago there used to be you know if you I think if you won and and picked at sixty percent you got a bonus and they 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 quickly yep. did away with that <laughs> when they saw that people were like seventy percent, seventy five percent. You know, people were just crushing this thing. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the number of entrants certainly ruined that idea. So that's it. Four and one, week 15. Week 16, schedule is going to be normal, I believe. I think schedule is going to be normal for us from a podcast standpoint. Well, at least the Friday podcast is going to be normal. Next week for a recap, who the hell knows? Recap is, I think, on Christmas Day. Uh, so, or Christmas Eve. Christmas Day is Tuesday. Yeah, so not happening, obviously. We might just roll a quick recap into the Friday pod, but the Friday pod should remain the same. We will give you our super contest selections. And then throughout the playoffs, we will be giving you our analysis on the games and giving you some opportunities to send in some raffle tickets as well. And that's the podcast, DP. DP, are you in any fantasy championships? One and I chopped it. And you guys all made fun of me. Oh yeah, soft. I had two I had two number one seeds. Both got buys and I had another one um, another, I, I don't even remember what seed I was, the five or six seed or something like that. Lost that one. That one was the one that I was playing the absolute juggernaut of a team and had a real shot, though. 
Yeah, <laughs> I had a shot. I, I don't know how I had a shot, but I had a shot. I, going into the going into Monday night, I had Christian McCaffrey. I think I was up by like five points, and they had Breeze, Kamara, and Will Lutz, the kicker. And somehow I only lost by four. I two, mean, I, I had a shot at the end of the game, two, and that would have been unbelievable. Literally, two more McCaffrey dump offs, and you might have won. You still might Gosh, win though. That would have been awesome. There was there was one dump off that Cam just kind of missed him, and I was like, "God damn it, Cam! Like, if you were just right, this would be such a lock." <laughs> you still might win though. The sick part about this is an IDP league. We start six defensive players, and for some reason, NFL stat- statisticians get defensive stats wrong all the time in game: tackles, assists, sacks. So, like, it is not uncommon to see four point stack correction swings in this league no and and speaking to that that's that's something that's going to need to change with sports betting yeah because like when you have a ton of live betting when you have a ton of player props that are going to be available you know when when all these one of the reasons that all the leagues are partnering with all these online sports books is so they can get a better and faster more efficient data feed well when you start getting, I mean, live live betting isn't as big in the United States as it is elsewhere, uh, predominantly over in Europe. It's it's really big, um, but once it gets much bigger, with everyone just being able to be on mobile, uh, have access to stuff in games, um, you know, you need to be able to like these have to be right. You know, they can't not be right. They have to be right because people are going to want to get paid out, and then let's say you do pay out and then something corrects, there's going to be a group of people that are like, Oh, well I had a winner and you did this, you know? So it's, they need to definitely flesh that out. And I mean, honestly, like, does it really matter? Like if a guy doesn't get the extra half tackle or the full, like, I mean, in, in a lot of cases it does because people do have these bonuses built into their contracts and stuff like that. But yeah, they're going to need to certainly, uh, you know, shore that up a bit because it's going to have a lot to do with the uh, sports betting. And we just we know how big you know, sports betting is in terms of being an industry. So that's something that they're going to have to tighten up going forward. Very well said, DP. That's the recap. We'll be back with you on Friday. If you are in your fantasy finals, I didn't want to mention I'm I bricked all paid leagues. My only semi. I was thrashed. I was actually taken out by Christian McCaffrey, so that was fun. That 50-yard touchdown pass killed me. Uh, I am in one final. It is a fun-only league, but I'm not having much fun. The fact that I bricked all my paid leagues. So that is my fantasy story for 2018. If you are in your final, best of luck with all your fab bids, your free agency, your defensive streaming, your tight end streaming, quarterback streaming, if you're a real gambler. Best of luck with all that. We'll be back on Friday to give you our super contest card for week 16 of the NFL season. Until then, travel safe if you're going anywhere. Peace. Ow.